0: Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek Podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, for introducing myself and all of us here at MotorWeek Podcast number 102. Joining me around our table in Studio C at MotorWeek Central is Road Test producer Ben Davis. Hello. Our writer, producer, two-wheeling reporter Brian Robinson. What's up? He has the longest title of anybody on the staff. And our consummate writer, Patrick Lucas.
1: I'm here decked out in my MotorWeek gear. And you
0: look really spiffy today
1: looking looking smart all right we have a lightning round
0: and a viewer question but let's get to the cars that everyone wants to talk about in honor of the beginning of the 34th season of motor week that's launching uh let's talk about what viewers can expect and what they're going to be looking forward to so coming up in in our season uh 34 we ba- What do you think is going to be, when we look back on season 34 a year from now, mm-hmm. do you think there's going to be anything that we'll say, well, this was the year of? Any thoughts? Oh. Plug-in performance hybrids. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's part of uh, what I've been calling, like, the revolution of the automobile.
1: Good segue.
0: Patrick, any? Uh, yeah, any? I
1: mean, I, I totally agree. So, you know, stuff with more battery electric powered. Uh,
0: I was asked just the other day what I thought at the auto shows what might be one of the biggest surprise. I think we're going to see a lot more all-wheel drive vehicles using electric assist, either for the rear wheels mm-hmm. or some way, shape, or form. Just think of the amount of hardware that's going to save. So it could be just the further electrification of the automobile, and that's kind of a pretty good segue to the highlight of our first uh, episode in the new season, and that's the um, 2015 BMW i8, uh, the show car for the street that's an advanced hybrid with a gasoline engine in the back, an electric motor up front, and we got to spend uh, a very interesting week with the i8 what do you all think
2: i love that i think that car is absolutely i mean it looks
0: spectacular but
2: the, uh, when i, I was about it? to drive it it's awesome to drive that power is down low where you want it and it just constantly pours it on through that all-wheel drive I and mean, it's it's amazing
3: yeah i find it as, as exotic as it looked outside and uh Interior looks pretty far out too, but just to drive it, I mean, it felt surprisingly normal. I was kind of it just felt like a normal car that, with uh, a lot of performance. Patrick,
1: yeah, I, I don't know. I I just hope more cars take that daring kind of approach to design and overall like you know philosophy. The way the car carries itself and like everyone, it was exciting like, to yeah, look at. It's just like
2: oddly enough, I didn't get anybody's head to turn. Really? I, it was I strange.
1: Well, I did. Greg and I were getting bummed out.
0: <laughs> huh. The um, I, I will say that with those um, compromised doors, they're not gull wings. They're not scissors. They're a combination of the both and that high sill that you basically had to sit in to, to get into. It's not the easiest vehicle you know, to, to ride around in. But when you think about a $130,000 price and what people are paying for exotic cars these days, it's a steal. It's I your, didn't think it was that bad to get in and out. Well, you're um, younger but, and, yeah, and, and well, fitter than I am, obviously. Not much, <laughs> not much but
3: uh, yeah, it was a ton of fun. Just to explain, if people don't know. Uh, it 's actually got a three cylinder turbo engine, mm-hmm. same engine that 's in the base mini cooper, Oddly enough. which we loved and uh, that 's in the back and that only powers the rear wheels and up front there 's just a big electric motor that powers the front wheels and uh, they do their thing together, uh,
0: and it's not seamless, but it's not jarring. You know, when one's operating or the other. I mean, some people have thrown bricks at them for piping in fake engine noise into the cabin, but every uh, <laughs> You know, every know. Car now, yeah. you know uh, to me, it added to the to the uh, thrill of the car. It, the car it looks like a, car, it so. like a sports <laughs> car. It sounds like a sports car. It's definitely, I think, going to be the wave of the future. And I'm sure if they wanted to sell a lot more than 500 of them, they could. Uh, any, uh, the car we had was a European model, so we couldn't actually even plug it in, but I never, I never got low on electricity. It doesn't have as, it only has about a 20 mile range. So it only has half the range of say a Chevy Volt, uh, but 14 to 20, it sort of hung around that, that mark.
3: Yeah. And it's unfortunate we couldn't plug it in to fully test it out, you know, the battery range, but it. It regenerates a lot especially a lot. in sport mode they BMW claims that when you're in sport mode every mile you drive you add a mile of onto the EV range
0: so uh,
2: you know that's awesome yeah
0: yeah I can't say that I actually saw it go up that quickly but i I left here to go up into western Pennsylvania with 14 miles worth of electric assist and came back and it was fourteen miles when I got back and so that was a distance of about uh, a little over 200 miles so. Uh, all in all, uh, I can't complain. I, I asked a question to someone else. I said, "You know, it's interesting that we're so and everybody in the automotive community is quite excited about this car that costs three times what a Chevy Volt does, has basically the same concept, and it has half the EV range. So, are we really <laughs> are we really just so excited because this is something so unusual?" Oh, absolutely.
3: Um, yeah. The thing well, looks great. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot more fun to drive. A lot more than, fun to drive, honestly. That's, that's, sure. that's,
0: that's what it all comes down to. It's something you want to enjoy being in. Mm. I guess my point was it's not actually a technological advance.
1: From a design standpoint, though, yeah. I hope all cars take that. It's spectacular. Don't look exactly like it, but take that kind of approach.
0: You know, I'm so tired of everything getting looking, starting to look so vanilla. Oh, again. my yeah. and, you know, you, We get sedan after sedan in here, and if you put a – piece of cloth over the front grill, you can't tell what they are.
3: <laughs> I would say the i8's pretty a pretty big step up from the yeah. Volt. I mean, it's a lot more. Oh, yeah, it's it's not the same. Just,
0: what I did <laughs> like about the car a lot, and I like the car a lot, but one of the things I thought was very smart on their ha- behalf is they didn't feel the compulsion to make everything on the interior futuristic. They had basically good, competent BMW controls, yeah. same ones you'd find in a 5 or 7 series. And so when you got in, there was a, it, it was all wild-looking, but there was a certain sense of familiarity when you had to actually operate something.
2: And I, it was refreshing to see that the use of materials wasn't out there either. I mean, the headliner was cloth. Mm-hmm. It looked like they did some money-saving on the inside. It looked good but it, yeah, it wasn't over-the-top crazy, yeah. like the Cadillac version, like the Cadillac uh, uh, ELR. That's a little crazy inside.
0: Yeah, I think the big shortcoming of the ELR is you're paying twice the money for a Volt for basically a car that drives like the Volt and doesn't get any more uh, EV range. Right. Yeah. All right, so the I8's coming up on Motor Week, and we hope you catch it because uh, we had fun doing that road test like uh, almost never before. Ben, one of the hottest new markets, so is being projected by just about everyone in the business, is the luxury compact crossover utility. And you have just come back from driving the first small Lexus crossover, the NX. So tell us about it.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I am definitely the luxury crossover compact guy. You've been been in that and the Lincoln (laughs) MKC lately. That's for sure. Um, it shares the same wheelbase as the RAV4, although it's an entirely different vehicle. They share the fi- uh, the same firewall and a couple other pieces, but Lexus's uh, was pretty—they uh, they drove that fact home that it's definitely not a RAV4 turned into a Lexus. Um, I spent a lot of time in the F-Sport model, which um, they're not kidding when they juiced up that suspension. That That car handled extremely well, almost borderline uh, too firm for me
0: do you think that it's had more of the character of an x1 bmw x1
2: Uh, um, possibly yeah
0: i wonder if that's what they're aiming at they're aiming the f sport at
2: yeah they they definitely did a good job um, focusing the f sport on people that are definitely out for more performance Mm -hmm. what do you
0: think about the Uh, roominess. I mean, after all, the Lexus RX, which is the mainstay of the brand, that pretty much plays to an older clientele.
2: Sure, with more family members. Uh, If if you're single or maybe a single parent or something, then this is a perfect size. There's not a lot of room to store anything behind the rear seats, but the rear seats themselves are generous for adults. Um, Oddly enough, though, I found the front to be a little cramped. The uh, Hmm. center console is a little wide and and it kind of cuts into the legroom. Um, but it's a decent size. Uh, certainly, I would if you had a dog or if you're holding a lot of equipment around, a lot of sporting equipment. I would go for an RX or something bigger. But did you spend it, any time that in that right the hybrids? Uh, a little bit of time in the hybrid. Even that's kind of focused towards performance. Um, a nice ride in uh, in general. Uh, but mainly, I focused on the gas models. Now we haven't had the NX
0: here at the shop, but I know everybody's seen photos and read a little bit about it. Any reaction? I mean, is, it is, looks, the, is
3: this the right vehicle for the right market? Well, it's, there's certainly be a market for it. It looks pretty aggressive to me for a yeah, sure typical does, Lexus. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like a smaller RX at all. I but, thought it was. I thought the concept was downright ugly but i i I actually like the production i think
3: it's a great idea i mean people want the luxury people don't but the fact that they this one the mkc takes a similar thing uh they get rid of this base you know to make it look cooler i guess i don't know why this base is so much less but i I would rather have it's the same wheelbase it's the same it could wouldn't have to take all the space out it would make me a lot happier Mm -hmm. i mean i think there's some people that want the practicality you know
0: sure well, the Buick Enclave, they can't build them fast enough. So, I mean, and that's yeah. pretty small.
1: Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where, I mean, I guess you kind of have to compete in the segment just to stay relevant. So, I mean, well, they, might, know, they might grab some sales. but All
0: you guys are younger than I am, and, it is, and they hope to get a younger audience. Do you think younger, well-off folks are going to be drawn to uh, this kind of vehicle at Lexus? I mean, they have a problem with their buyers getting very old. Hmm.
1: I don't know about at Lexus, but, I mean, the the segment itself on paper is appealing because mm-hmm. you get the compact, sporty kind of drive, but you get the, quote-unquote, space for utility. Um, so on paper, <laughs> it sounds good. So I don't understand why people wouldn't be drawn Fair to right. it.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, th- I think uh, they've been trying to get more aggressive on uh, their looks and their handling – So I think maybe this is the first vehicle to really pull that off maybe for them. So
0: uh, 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 they are doing – their small cars are actually doing very well for the first time uh, with younger buyers. Okay, turning to another luxury brand and this time a car. The Acura TL has been the mainstay car for Acura for decades. And um, it's really been – one of the, along with the MDX, the two, one of the two vehicles that's kept the brand afloat. Now they've come out with a new replacement, which replaces not only the TL but also uh, the TSX, and that is the TLX. And Ben, once again, you were on the preview and had a chance to drive it. So here's yep. a, a car about the, about the size, a little bit smaller than the car it replaces. Uh, do you think it's still going to be the bell ringer for the brand?
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, the the wheelbase is the same as the TL. They chopped a little bit off of each end and narrowed it a little bit. It's uh, it's in the ring with a lot of competition, though. I mean, you're up against a four, three series, uh, Mercedes C-Class. Many times in the
0: past, we've said that the TL could hold its own, not be superior, could hold its own against that competition, and often offered you a lot more bang for the buck. Is that enough anymore?
2: I don't think it's enough anymore, no. I'm, I think this car, uh, Acura's definitely teaming up against those European cars. Um, I think it's probably better matched against a Maxima's, Taurus's, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's more in that vein. Uh, it's a little bold to uh, to think that this car is going to pose much of a threat to Is the,
3: it a new chassis, or is it still the TL chassis, or a TSX chassis? They, it what?
0: measures up against the Accord, the current yeah. Accord. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I'm. Uh, it, it's probably got a little. I don't think it's the European Accord chassis anymore. Right. But
2: But but every model has four wheel steering, and you can get um, SHAWD in it. So as far as tech, technologically speaking, it's it's all there in spades. Um, the design through the the profile and stuff is a little vanilla to bring it. You know, to uh, it, it has a signature grill and signature headlights. But aside from that, it would be hard to ID this car as an Acura from, from uh, any other angle than the front, which kind of hurts it in this category uh, to go up against these uh, three series and A4. I mean, these cars are pretty distinctive at, at any angle. So I was hoping that this would be more aggressive, I guess, to say.
1: Patrick, any comment? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I haven't had much exposure to the car, so it's kind of hard for me to be enthusiastic or speak to it uh, in great detail but i liked the ilx when it came out um the rlx we have is um i don't know a lot of people kind of knock it but I, I think it's pretty comfortable it's a
0: very nice long distance yeah, and car I, I
1: enjoy cruising in yeah. it so um you know i'd be curious once we get it in here for a little more testing to spend some time with it
0: this is the first time they've done a tl-esque car with a four-cylinder now it's got both the four-cylinder and a six the tsx had a four-cylinder Did you spend much time between the two and your impression of the four cylinder?
2: Yeah, I drove them all. Um, It's weird because it's a naturally aspirated uh, four cylinder in a, in a field of turbocharged force. It did a pretty good job. Uh, It's 209 horsepower. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot of difference between that and the six cylinder really in casual to semi spirited driving back to back. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's definitely adequate enough and it feels good. Uh, They've also
0: always sold that car ba- with uh, based on technology because it's always been a fairly high tech vehicle. Any mm. advances there that knocked your socks off or surprised you?
2: No, definitely no advances that. I mean, everything that I was assuming would be in the car is, um, but uh, compared to the cars that they're teaming it up against, there was, there there is some technology that's lacking. Like say, there's a lot of more autonomous driving characteristics in the mercedes c-class and stuff like that that uh, aren't available in this car but for the money they do offer a lot of content which would otherwise cost you a lot of money in in the cars they're competing against
0: so not a step backwards but and and really accurate has never been uh that adventuresome so i it sounds like it's kind of like what you'd expect from them
2: yeah for sure i mean it will sell to the masses
0: Okay, let's move on now to our lightning round. Our panelists have two minutes to debate a trending automotive topic. And when it's up, you're going to hear the bell. So let's get going. We've just touched on it, so let's go go back and revisit it. Automatic braking systems, one of the systems that um, has got a lot of interest from us. Enough vehicles have them now that they're not really a gimmick anymore. Uh, have we ever encountered it in real-world driving? Did it save us from an accident? Uh, undoubtedly, it'll become more effective as technology advances. Are we excited about uh, what they call collision mitigation systems and automatic braking? Um, Mind you, we are adding a test to our regiment, the first new test we've added to the show in a very long time, to test some of these systems. But from a driver's standpoint, how do you feel about automatic braking and Well, yeah, there's
3: something that's going to keep me from having an accident. Obviously, I'm glad it's there. I'm not sure whether I'm excited about it. Uh, Some of the systems are integrated better than others. I mean, we've talked a lot about... um, Constantly getting, you know, false alarms from cars, whether you're going around a like, sharp turn or just cars parked along the side of the road or trees. even yeah. Yeah, trees, trees up and down tall um, I've never had one save me from an accident. I've never actually had the brakes applied. I've gotten a lot of warnings. And, well, in the RLX long term that we have on, if you're using the adaptive cruise, it will right. it will use some braking to slow you down. Uh, but. That I've experienced that a couple times, but that's you know that's at high speeds and you're coming up on somebody, you know, going 15 miles an hour uh, slower than you, and it just eases the
0: brakes to slow you down a little bit. It Actually, really radar cruise control drives me crazy. Yeah, but
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, I I haven't had any experience with uh, the actual braking, but you know all the warning systems. Um, I, I well, I've had like in a controlled environment of mm-hmm. the uh, Mitsubishi Outlander which, you know, mm-hmm. we haven't talked about in a while. But um, that actually had a full, you know, to a complete stop braking system. Um, I used that. It was in a parking lot, obviously, controlled setup environment. And it worked pretty well. It's, it's hard to fight your instinct not to touch the brake pedal. Exactly. But right. if you don't do anything, it will stop you. Um, as far as the warnings go in the real world, um, I was on a Subaru event for the Legacy, and we were driving along the PCH. Um, i was with my girlfriend and we were like you know looking out at the ocean look at all these beautiful views and we were coming up on a car that was going way slower than me warning went off and i immediately whipped back around and it, it kind of pre-tensioned the brake a little bit mm-hmm. um so that you know saved me p- and that's the eyesight system which yeah, exactly.
0: iihs says is the best out there which so is interesting
1: i've had that
2: i was on an infinity jx preview and uh did the ray, uh the backup where it'll stop you if there's an object mm-hmm. behind you and it Went uh, straight into a dumpster for camera. <laughs> it, <laughs> whoops. It works. No, I didn't touch the, dump, the yeah. dumpster. It, it stopped me, but it, it was a little nerve wracking. I had a couple of
0: happen. situations where the backup uh, systems have, the rear cross traffic alert has worked well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. actually, I think that may even be a
3: challenge. Challenger, idea. I tested
2: that out. Yeah. Had it yeah.
0: Patrick hit
3: on I mean, you. It, if, it, if you at all act on your own, some of the car the systems don't work because it's only there. Right. If you are don't not do acting anything. Yeah. So yeah, I think I was on a you know similar Lexus event testing, and yeah, you've got to keep your foot on the gas pedal for those brakes to actually come on. If you let off the gas pedal, it's going to let at least that card. It's going to let you plow right into whatever it is you think you're avoiding. But uh, so it's just there as a safety measure. It's not there to drive the car
0: for you some of the systems basically if you have your feet completely off it will it, it will still interact but they're all a little bit different i think that's one of the things uh-huh. that our challenges is that uh we have different vehicles that we get in with different programs and different systems okay that wraps up times our, that. Uh, that's right. uh, it's amazing. our lightning around. just <laughs> yes, amazing how you can do that in this business okay let's talk about our viewer question ken emails With all the new hybrids hitting the market in 2015, uh, and there's too much to cover, so we'll interpret this in our own way. What are the most exciting and intriguing hybrids coming this year? Anything new or unexpected? I mean, we just basically talked about probably the most uh, outrageous one, the I-8. Um, no, no looking way. ahead in hybrids for 2015.
2: La Ferraria. Yeah, that's definitely the most. Yeah, out <laughs> that's
0: the one that's going to get everybody's attention. Yeah, and the Porsche 918 Spider, too. It seems to me, and we hit on it in um, one of our recent scripts, that a lot of the new hybrids that are coming out don't seem to be going for the gold. They're not out there to basically get uh, Prius-style hybrids. Uh, Fuel economy. They're just out there to get nice, healthy gains, and that shows me that that technology is maturing. That you know it's going to become even more mainstream. Yeah, it's just becoming another engine choice. You know, whether you want instead of
3: uh, four cylinder or V six, you now you going a four cylinder or, or hybrid to give you a little bit of the power of the close to a V six, but a lot better fuel economy. So. I, yeah.
0: I really wouldn't be surprised to see, as all of these CAFE uh, requirements uh, keep cranking in over the next 10 years, that uh, if uh, a hybrid powertrain with a small engine is not going to become the standard powertrain.
1: Well, Volvo's ramping up right. like 100% almost. That's, for that. they that's to, where they're going. They're doing the turbo and supercharged four-cylinder with a uh, plug-in hybrid <laughs> Talk module about complex. somewhere about Yeah, I mean— yeah, they just released the whole diagram of right. the new chassis for the XC90 and where all the components go and everything in mean, it. that would be pretty scary if something went wrong with that, taking that thing into a shop.
0: I think that's actually the unspoken real gremlin here, that all of this new technology and the powertrains, and we are in a powertrain revolution, it's going to be outrageously expensive to fix. And I don't know, people are... You never know. If you've got that old uh, beater in the garage, it could be worth a lot of money about 10 years from now.
3: Yeah, I haven't heard of any, uh, like, real scoops as far as what's coming out. But I think, uh, you know, to make current plug current hybrids more in the plug-in vein you know make the battery a little bit bigger allow people to you know get 15 20 miles by plugging it in you know at night or whatever instead of the one or two yeah i think that would make a huge difference
1: yeah i think the the technology and battery packs is advancing so rapidly that they can um you know with the size of the battery packs now they can i don't know i don't know what the number is but like Theoretically, you know, double, ten times, something like that, the capacity and the range. Well, but the cost and,
0: hasn't come down. I guess that's one right. of the things that this uh, uh, the the Tesla folks looking at this new battery plant that they want to build with Panasonic might have an, an impact there. Uh, and that's still the bugaboo. I mean, the, the uh, chatter on the Internet is all about what the next Volt will be and whether or not it's going to have a lot more range. And all the indications are from GM is it won't. <laughs> So we'll see. It'll be a little bit better than what yeah, it is now. Maybe if,
1: maybe more than this year, maybe a few years from now, it'll be different.
0: I think so. I think it's going to have to be. We'll all be driving diesels then anyway, so yeah. it won't really matter. <laughs> Rather than electric cars. <laughs> according to the experts okay that brings to an end our Motor Week podcast number 102 I'd like to thank our panelists Ben Davis, Brian Robinson and Patrick thank Lucas you. Patrick also is our podcast producer right. our podcast creator Bob Mixter and our audio engineer who makes us always sound brilliant is Jim Bigwood and thank you Jim for making us do that again today to all of you please make sure that you are catch our show Motor Week on public television stations around the country if you're not sure what time or what channel check our website at motorweek.org and we're also on the velocity cable channel on behalf of all of us at motorweek thank you for listening and drive carefully out there you have been listening to the podcast of motorweek television's original automotive magazine motorweek is made possible by tire rockauto.com and by diehard For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.